It's Wednesday Wisdom, and I'm here to help you take that good dog and make them even better. Today, there are three different sections to this episode. First up, I have a little training with Tiffany, who has become a friend of mine. She is in California. You have to love Zoom, right? And different classes that you take together. You can meet some really cool people. So Tiffany is actually a designer, and she can help you have an enjoyable, relaxing, peaceful home. And she's wonderful, very talented at that. She also has a podcast, by the way. I'll put those links in the show description. Her little mini schnauzer is a stinker who likes to jump on her husband when he's coming home. And that's not very fun for him because he can barely get in the door. You'll hear the description of what happens. After that, I have about a two-minute little clip from Alex Ray. And he's called Coach Alex Ray. His episode was back on Monday, episode 24. He has a great mindset shift that he did that helped him keep his dog that was totally out of control. His name is Gideon is the pup and they've turned into best buddies, but it was not like that always. And last, I talk about heart dogs and soul dogs. A lot of people feel that they do have a heart dog or have had one in their life. I don't know. I feel like I've had both because this is such a mix of things for you. I'm going to give you a time frame for each in case you want to go ahead forward to the section that you're interested in. So the training with Tiffany and the dog guarding the door and jumping her husband and things, that is three minutes. Alex talks for about two minutes. And then I talk about soul dogs for about 13, 14 minutes at the end. All right. Enjoy. You had a question for me about training your pup because she jumps on your husband when he gets home from work, you were saying, or is it every time yes. in the door even? Every single time he comes in, well, I, you know, from five minutes could actually set her off too. If he went out to the car and like he made a phone call and come back, um, yeah, still, but especially when he comes home from work or an errand and he's been gone for 30 minutes to a couple hours. She runs to the door and then he like, he opens the door, but he can't get in because she jumps up on him or like the girls will open the door. Cause they want to go say hi to him and then she'll circle him. And so he can't walk forward cause he doesn't want to step on her. And so he's like, I can't even get inside the door. And then she jumps and jumps and he's like down, down. And then he gets really upset and he's like, What I'm thinking is, can he text you before he is about to, you know, get home or something? Because what you guys need to do is pretty much remove her from that door. She had, she has to earn her way back to that door again. I'm thinking, put her on a leash and then have her, you know, like keep her like three, four feet away from the door and have her sit, you know, Mm -hmm. tell him he can come inside and then she won't be able to jump on him. And then ideally he has a treat or something, make her sit and, you know, Otherwise, just ignore her. You know, he's going to have to turn his back to her and the whole thing and just wait till she comes down. And I'll take a bit of patience for all of you, but it will pay off because she needs to understand that door is not hers. She doesn't own it. It's your door and it has to be your way. So she's got to respect the door and respect him coming in. He needs to be able to come into his own house. And and she's just sweet. She's just excited, but she has to understand that that behavior is not okay anymore. So that's what I would suggest, like have her on a leash. Ideally, he calls you or texts you really quickly, you know, walk her up to near the door. So I think about three, four feet away would be good and have her sit and, and, you know, and praise her, like praise her for sitting. Now, do you guys use a clicker? So the clicker is really cool because, you know, it clicks. It makes a clicking noise that they can't miss. 
And what I've been doing with him is training him to go get his toys by name. So there's like Ducky and Moose and different things, right? So as soon as he grabs that toy, it's a click, you know? And as soon as he goes to the pillow, there's a click and a reward. When she sits for your husband, you can click and she'll be like, oh, I sit and dad rewards me and I can get love that I want. So yeah, if you can get a clicker, they're on Amazon, they're pretty much everywhere, pet stores, anything. And they are effective because that tells the dog right away that that was a good thing. And they either get a treat or some love and they're like, oh, I need to do that again. You know, <laughs> they'll start to realize there's a connection with the sound. Yeah. All right. Well, you've experienced, you know, like the worst with a rescue, you know, mm. based, I mean, you just, what you've talked about, you've experienced the worst all the way from getting a dog that was separation anxiety, mm-hmm. went to the bathroom on the floor, the jumping, the craziness, mm-hmm. the behavior, the aggression, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause, and the watchfulness, like he was overly watchful, maybe. Overly. Mm-hmm. So what kind of words of encouragement can you give somebody else that's tackling some of, even just some of those issues? You had a bunch, but yeah. can you give them any kind of words of encouragement and how to hang in there? Because you did, you hung in there and you could have taken him back and he could have been, he would have been put down. But yeah. yeah, what would you share with somebody that's struggling with any of those things? The first thing I would say is just remember it's always a choice. You don't have to keep the dog. And when you realize that, like what that did for me was like, wait a minute. I'm not trapped. I'm not like a victim here. I was like, I have the option, but I'm continuing over and over to choose to work with him. And that's the same as like, like parenting when I've, I have clients who are parents and I've worked with them before where they're like, Oh, my kids are so messy. They drive me blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm like, well, you could always just leave. And their first, our first knee jerk reaction when we hear that is like, what are you crazy? Of course I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well then why are you complaining about it? Right. <laughs> and so when we realize like, wait a minute, it is optional and I'm choosing it, we get totally out of that mentality of like, I'm a victim. It's so difficult. I don't know how to do this. And into like, I'll figure it out because I want to, I want to be there for him. And so I'm willing to do what it takes. So Yeah, you're right. It's empowering to shift your mindset. And of course, you know that because you're, Mm -hmm. you know, life coach, right? So you definitely, definitely see the benefit on a regular basis, which has to be amazing too. Now on to a discussion that I love to have with anyone that will share it with me. The heart dog versus soul dog. I don't know if they're really versus, right? Are they different? Are they the same? That's up to us each to decide, I suppose, unless someone wants to get very technical (laughs) and get the definition all set, right? These are definitions I have heard attached to a heart dog. And this is what people have said. They are a once in a lifetime dog. The dog changes how we see life. They change how we love. I feel that we become more empathetic, kinder, more gentle, more forgiving. They give us unconditional love like we've never felt before. And we are changed forever with the heart dog. Some people say that the connection feels soul deep. And that's where I think the descriptions, the definitions overlap each other. Either one, the heart dog or the soul dog, 
people define that as you are in absolute agony when they die. Now for me, I believe I had a soul dog. I believe Maisie was that dog. Maisie Lou was so unique. I have never had a dog like her. Now Morgan, I was very connected to her, so please don't think less of me, but sometimes you just don't connect with a dog the same way. Each dog is different, just like we are different. And we're at different times in our life too, you know, different phases, different stages, whatever it is. So I think sometimes when you get a dog, you're not, you know, it just, you don't maybe have the same connection. Now I was crazy about Morgan. I loved her. She was beautiful, smart, wise. I just, she really, I would say she was a heart dog because I was crazy about her and she changed me forever. She is the reason I am crazy for the canines. There's no doubt about that. So I call Morgan my heart dog. Now for soul dogs, I believe Maisie fits that category. And I don't know if it's thanks to Morgan and she like groomed me to help me learn about how beautiful dogs are and how much they affect our lives. But a soul dog, Maisie just went to that level that I have never I had just never experienced that before. I felt so connected to that dog. She would know my thought before I thought it. But she also seemed to be so sensitive to my emotions that I'm not saying a heart dog can't do that, but it's so hard to put this into words. And I just keep struggling with this. And that's why this is an interesting discussion to me. I think what takes Maisie to a different level is that she was so in tune with me and she wanted to be. Morgie loved me, but she was not (laughs) interested in doing whatever I wanted and she did not want to be quite that tied in with me or she just wasn't. It's just the way it is. Maisie was all about whatever I wanted and she wanted and we were, we had a partnership. We're like sisters. The love that we had for each other was so strong that it just, it's just not like anything ever I've ever experienced, be, you know, before or after. And don't get upset about Flynn, folks. I'm crazy about him as well. And I believe he's at least a heart dog. Maybe they come in and they start as heart dogs and they go on to soul dogs. I don't know. I really don't. But what I do know is that Maisie, after she passed away, I was so devastated that I just absolutely wept and wailed for that dog. I had never cried for anybody or anything like that. When she passed away, I caught myself crying so loud that I really thought that people would come knocking on the door. I'm not a big crier. I'll do like little tears, you know, or something will touch me. I might get misty-eyed or something, a little teary-eyed. But man, that dog just made me so much more sensitive and kinder and gentler, both to myself and other people. I'm just kinder to other people. I understand what connections are. I understand what loss is. I understand what love really could be. And I don't know, though. I don't know if you could ever have some of this stuff with another human because humans, we can be selfish, right? We want what we want. Ideally, you have that with another human being. I haven't had that yet. I'm not saying that can't happen in the future. Who knows? God knows. It's all all out of my hands, all of that. But what I do know is that when Maisie passed away, I was so devastated and people would comfort me and have different things to say. And I couldn't believe how many people, quote unquote, came out of the woodwork, if you will, 
and told me stories that I don't know if they would have told me before, but they told me that they believe that their dog came back in a different form, a different breed or mixed breed or whatever it was, but they truly believe that the dog came back. And they said, maybe Maisie will come back for you as well. Now, folks, if you like have a hardcore belief about this, don't get upset and turn off because, well, I mean, you can, hey, it's a podcast. It's, you know, whatever you want to do. But I want you to have an open mind about this because if you believe that God can do anything, it's kind of an interesting concept that he could say, you know, that soul was very tied to Emily. Maisie needs to come back. Emily needs her again for whatever. I don't know what my future holds. Maybe I'll, you know, something will happen that I need Maisie back for. And I'm not going to lie. If it happens, oh my gosh, I think that would be amazing. I will tell you something that happened to me that kind of, it didn't freak me out, but it really got me to thinking about this whole soul thing with dogs and returning and all of that before anybody ever talked to me about Macy coming back or the possibility of it and and how their dogs came back as well. There's actually people, by the way, that believe their dog has come back. That soul, if you will, of the dog has come back like three times. It's a fascinating discussion to me. That's why right here, this crux of it, because if Maisie comes back, it will blow my mind, right? Just like completely out of the water into a whole different space, (laughs) time continuum, if you will. But what did happen that I couldn't believe that I have seen with my own eyes was when Morgan passed away. She was 16, just barely by a month, right? When she passed away, Maisie, (laughs) all of a sudden she took on some of Morgan's behavior It was so strange. Those dogs were just like night and day. They were so different. They didn't play the same. They didn't behave the same. Nothing about them was the same other than they respected each other and they loved me. When Morgan passed away, Maisie all of a sudden wanted to smell everything and, you know, they're females, but they do the same thing like boys pee on everything. She acted like Morgan in so many ways. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked about it. Mainly it was when we were on walks that I would notice this and it didn't happen for like, I don't know. I don't think it happened for more than a month. I think it was a few weeks or something in the beginning. But after Morgan passed away, all of a sudden on our walks, Maisie would act like Morgan. And it was just something that I didn't understand. I thought is Morgan's spirit, if they have spirits, right? I wasn't sure. Does her, does, is her spirit hanging around to comfort us and to comfort Maisie? Because those two did love each other. They just were very different. You know, I think Morgan was kind of maternal to Maisie in a lot of ways. So did Morgie hang out in the spirit world? And dogs are more sensitive to, oh my gosh, to everything, right? I mean, they smell better. They see better in, in certain ways. They can see farther. They have the prey drive. They can see, you know, motion, all of that, right? Dogs have some really amazing abilities. So did Maisie pick up on Morgan being around? Did Morgan hang out to comfort us? I don't know. And I'm not trying to make people upset with me, but I'm just telling you what I saw. And it opened up my mind to, well, you know what? If God wants it to be, why not? Who am I to limit God? Who am I to tell God what to make happen? And if you believe in a supreme being, if you believe in a higher power that loves you and wants the best for you, well, 
Maybe God said, you know what? She needs some comfort. Maybe, maybe, maybe God thought Macy needed some comfort. I'm just telling you what I saw. And then it was absolutely striking the behavior change in Macy Lou. Now, I it was like a few weeks or a month later or so. I think it was just a few weeks. It was not very long. Macy went back to being Macy on walks, you know, when she just wanted to constantly retrieve the ball or the stick and behave like herself. She was not interested in going off and smelling like she had been right after Morgan passed away. Can I explain it? Absolutely not. But this is where it comes into. I think there's a difference between heart dogs and soul dogs. I really do. I think a heart dog affects you in similar ways. But I think a heart dog, I don't think they would return. And a soul dog like Maisie, I don't know. Our connection was so deep that I guess with time, I'll be able to tell you if I had a soul dog or heart dog. But these dogs change our lives forever. They enrich us with their amazing, unconditional love. And I just can't say enough about the experience. I hope that you all have that experience. Is it painful? Um, Yeah, hugely painful. Do I want you to go through pain? No, I really don't. But I think it's important that you understand the beautiful depth of what comes from these dogs and their love for us. I'm going to read for you a little note that I sent to a friend that lost her soul dog not really that long ago. We were talking back and forth, messaging back and forth about it. And I said to her, when Maisie had to go, I was devastated to every single cell in my body. I wept so loudly, I surprised myself. I couldn't keep it in. It was a cry that came from my very soul, a soul torn apart and no longer whole. I wept and wailed for her for weeks, not as often as time went on, but in truth, I still cry for her probably at least once a week. That is the truth, folks. I do. I still cry for that dog a little bit. Over three years later, she died three years ago in April. I want her back still. I doubt this helps much, but it's the truth. It does get better in the sense you will continue on in your life, and the pain turns to gratitude for the memories, the lasting effects of their pure love, the friendship that gives you a standard to hold yourself and others to, so much to be grateful for. The physical loss is literally physically painful. It is true, folks. You can't hug them. You can't love them. You miss what they do, their cute little habits that they do. Maisie, every time I took a shower, Maisie would come in and lay down by the door to the bathroom or sometimes even in the bathroom, like on the rug, and wait for me while I was showering. When she was getting very sick with her bone cancer, she, the last, I think it was the last day when I was taking my shower, the last day before I had to say goodbye to her, she did not come in. And I knew we were at the end because Maisie always came in to be with me. I started crying so hard when I realized that she was not outside that door. And she heard me crying and she hobbled her way into that bedroom, laid down in that door entrance. And I'm sorry. This is very emotional. See, folks, three years later, kind of ridiculous, right? But that dog dragged herself in, laid down because she wanted to comfort me, even though she was in tremendous pain. And 
I cried even louder at that point. It's amazing how much these dogs love us. I hope I can touch her again. She was more to me than any human will ever be. She understood me more than anyone will. She knew me better than I knew myself. How do you ever get over that? Sadly, my dear woman, you don't. But you do get a bit kinder and softer and more understanding to loss. You appreciate your life and loved ones more. Her death really changed me. But for the better, I'd rather be back to being more of the tough woman that I was. But this is all meant to be. I'm so grateful and honored her spirit was with me for the beautiful 13 and a half years she was here. And I go on to say that I hope that this brings her some comfort, my friends. And this is what I said to her. It's the worst part when you lose them of having a soul dog, but it's the price we pay for having that gorgeous period of time where we live with the most powerful, life-affirming, shiny, brighter-than-a-star love. And it's true, folks. I wish you blessings and peace. I'm closing with that because I hope that you understand. And if your friend has lost a soul dog and is devastated, reach out to them. And if you've lost a soul dog and you're devastated still, whether it's three years later or you just lost them, know that you are not alone. You are still loved. You are supported by other humans that get it. I'll see you Monday for another awesome story. Of course, the best kind of story, a dog story. I'll see you then. 